I'm Ian Aber, and this is Straight People. <laughs> uh, we are recording back in Atlanta in the um, in my husband's basement, as I like to call it. Um, please welcome our guest this uh, this week, or for this episode, I should say, uh, Julie Maritek. How you doing, Julie? Hey, I'm great. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. I love hanging out in your husband's basement. <laughs> my husband's basement. Mm-hmm. So it's not my sister's room, but it's my husband's basement. <laughs> <laughs> there's, cage, there's dog cages. I yeah. think those are for pain. I don't well, that's a cage. I, mm-hmm. If you think a dog should go in it, that's fine. <laughs> we have three dogs, but we have them all upstairs because they would be making so much noise. <laughs> and actually, my <laughs> Payne's mother has a... Uh, a Dotson named Sandy that mm-hmm. she lives around the corner and she'll bring and leave Sandy and all Sandy does while she's gone is just whine and bark for uh, <laughs> sounds <laughs> and, like a princess and so she, I just saw his mom and I was like you're not bringing Sandy over here we're <laughs> recording well, she goes oh, I'm going to put her in the garage so you can hear her in every episode <laughs> <laughs> you're like they're, that's our mascot Sandy. they're like teasing me with it mm-hmm. um, so are you you're a cat person though aren't you I am I mean I do love dogs too yeah. I'm both but yeah. I do have have kind of like a kindred spirit connection with cats. Yeah. I have one cat. And you run a cat show too. And right? I run a cat show. Yeah. yeah. It's just is like it, what's it called? It's called is it's it called Cats and Laughs. Cats and Laughs at Java name. Cats Cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we That's run awesome. it once a month and yeah. it's at Java Cats in Grant Park. Yeah. And you know, make a lot of pussy jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of have to, right? I know. It's on brand um, for me being a lesbian. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, the room split up. So it's like, it's cafe and then a separate room of cats. Right, yeah. And, and the like, whole idea is that, you know, you know, you can, everything doesn't, nothing has cat hair in it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and yeah, if you're yeah. allergic, you can still come yeah. and enjoy the show. Yeah, and then yeah. you can go into the cat room if you want to hang out with the other cats. I haven't gone into the cat room. I'm, I was, I was a cat person, but I was a cat person the way I was a straight person. You know what I'm saying? It's like my parents <laughs> led me to believe, no, we had cats growing up. <laughs> so I was, I was raised straight and a cat person. And it turns out I am a gay dog person. Yeah, there you <laughs> and, go. You found uh, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, but my mom now refers to my dogs as her grandchildren. And she's like, well, this is all I'm getting. So, oh yeah, know. my mom loves my cat. That's I think awesome. it's like she's ready for me to have babies, so yeah. she's constantly just like nice. attached to my cat. So is that are you are you are you like is that your plan for babies? Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think eventually. Yeah. Uh, I kind of took the leap about three years ago and froze my eggs. Okay. Because you know I'm nearing I'm 38. Yeah. So, so you better get you know, the new my, ones. my little eggies are 35. Yeah. So I feel like you know they're frozen. They're hanging out in some. Freezer somewhere, probably next to like a tombstone pizza and some popsicles. You're you know, lucky. And my eggs. Right? <laughs> I hope they put it in like a double bagged it. I know. <laughs> I hope that seal showing. Right. It's a clock. Uh, but yeah, I think eventually I want to have kids. So you just put those in the bank. You weren't like I. You know, I have a. I have a rainy day. Like, you don't, you don't have a person. Like, you know how sometimes in the romantic comedies, there's a if we don't, if we're not together right. with somebody, we're forty. We're 40 then, blah. Right. Then, yeah. yeah. I mean, I that. have a girlfriend and I have a possible <laughs> donor. Maybe. Okay. Like, hopefully, he's still in it to yeah. win it. But um, so oh, so you would it, have a donor, somebody you know. That's what I would prefer. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have to see, and there's a lot of pros and cons to both. Oh, sure. I've been asked, and Payne has been asked over the years, and we both were, it, it sort of fizzled out into like, well, they asked all their friends. It's like, oh, well, it wasn't <laughs> special if you asked everybody. Right. Um, yeah. So I didn't well, it's actually obligated. the point of this podcast. I wanted to ask you if you wanted to be, if you wanted I, to be my daughter. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I want my baby to have a big white beard. <laughs> um, your baby would be funny as shit. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it depends, though. The, it, uh, and there's a good chance to press. So I don't think 
those. <laughs> yeah, we're both comedians. That might be yeah, too much. Absolutely. Too much DNA. Absolutely. Too much. Well, I'm just thinking about like when people in my family are either really funny or <laughs> or not or yeah. both. <laughs> no, there's not. There's like either no like really funny or like Tennessee Williams character <laughs> tragically sad and like nothing works out for them. Ever. Right. Some Sylvia Plath. Yeah. Absolutely. their head in an oven. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot of that in my family, unfortunately. I don't. I shouldn't say unfortunately. There's not. There's not a lot of suicide in my family. There's a lot of like, well, death. You know, like death by drinking. There's yeah. My family's more <laughs> on the anxious side, yeah. not the depressed side. But we have the okay. meritic anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Like New, my family's from New York, so yeah. it's just that kind of like. High strong, high stress, yeah, kind of like absolutely. New York anxiety, like people from Jewish, New York are very stressful. I agree. Yeah, like that kind of Jewish, <laughs> Jewish, you know, mother, like yeah. everything's, you know, you're in a sewer somewhere, you're dying, yeah, everything's absolutely. gonna come to the end. Yeah. Is that how, like, everything's like a, well, and I guess in a way, my mom's sort of like that. My mom's reaction to everything is like, oh, oh no, like that's right. like her the worst default possible. mode is ah, if she cares. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, she's at the age now where she just doesn't. You know, she's retired. She doesn't, you know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. grown. She, that's how she is about it. She's just like, you know, I don't have to, I'm going to go watch Night Court, you know, like, oh and take an court. afternoon nap. She takes like morning naps and afternoon naps and she's super active, like between two and four in the morning. She sounds, <laughs> is she part cat? She sounds part cat. I don't know. She, I think she's just retired and <laughs> that's the schedule. You know what I'm saying? It's like the schedule she's on is the one I was on as a teenager that she hated so much mm-hmm. where I just slept. I would sleep. Wake up, eat. If I was smoking pot at the time, smoke pot. Mm-hmm. Take a nap, get up, go out, stay out way really, really late. Come home, be loud between one and three in the morning, eating food, watching whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, full circle. And I think that's what she's doing now. Except she, there's no drugs. It's just her. Like you know, she's <laughs> her thing is she's like I eat a salad every day, you know, to be good, and then the rest of the time all she eats is cookies. Yeah, it sounds so. like a life. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. My, uh, I guess that's a life, right? I, I guess know. that's a life. Yeah, my mom's still very like. She was a school teacher though, so I guess it makes sense. My mom's a therapist. Oh wow! So I have like the mom therapist. Wow! So does it's, she give you? Yeah. Do so you have to be like, stop coaching me? Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I just want you to be my mom. I don't yeah. want you to be. Do you have a my safe therapist. word? Like um, a word for it? Usually it's an eye roll. Okay. What's your mother's name? <laughs> Peggy. You're not like, come on. All right, Peggy. All right, Peggy. All right, Doctor Peggy. Yeah. Take like, it oh, down God. a notch. Next caller. Next caller, Doctor Peggy. Hey, that. That lady looks like she could use some help, Dr. Peggy. Yeah, I don't need your advice. I just need a hug. That's good, though. I mean, at least, like, you would think that with a therapist. Because, like, my mom's, like, I don't know. I can't say. She's giving me, like, advice on, like, you know, cooking and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but, like. Life advice, like light, like you know, making no, never. I don't can't think of a single. My mom's so like everything's so fear based for her. Mm -hmm. You know, like you know, whatever job you have, you're lucky to have, and you should thank God that you have that job. And uh, you know, and it's what's interesting is that she's never not had a job. So it's Mm -hmm. like, well, she's now doesn't have a job. So I wonder what she's she's retired. Yeah, but like I wonder if she still thinks in that same because like you know, not having a job is like the. You know, that's the beginning of the end of everything mm-hmm. in her mind. And like to me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> fuck. It's all job. gonna work out. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's all gonna work out. Or money, money. Like I don't know. You don't have. I don't know. It's like you have to have a job to have money. But like in some ways, you don't always have to have a job to like live. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Like don't have a job just know. for the sake of having a job. You like, can you make money without having a doing. job. I guess yeah, is what I'm trying exactly. to say. Exactly. So you can have little side hustles or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. so, what I do right now is like. 
between comedy and side writing and show producing and you know other little shit that I do, I make an income. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I don't have a job like I did when I first started stand up, where I went and worked at ADP, you know, and fucking toiled in mm -hmm. the whatever. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so it's like that to me is like comedy is my job. It's just that stand up, like being a comedian on stage, isn't hundred percent. Right. That's what I want. That's what I'm trying to transition to. I guess, right. At some and that's, point. yeah, that's your yeah. goal and you're making but, it happen. I don't know. I think that's everybody's goal, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, I freelance during the day yeah. and then, you know, do comedy at night and yeah. I side, side right as well. And you, mar you market. And I'm a prostitute, yeah. you know, which helps keep bringing in the extra income. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the, <laughs> Atlanta is a the town, street. is a town of prostitutes mm -hmm. and yeah. internet escorts. And yeah, so you're in a good <laughs> company. If you can make the money, yeah. you know. Helps me bring in the extra cash yeah. so I can buy more cats. Right. Um, Do you buy you buy your cats? You don't adopt or rescue? I actually found my cat at a Starbucks. Did you? He's really bougie. Like a, like I've had him 14 years, yeah. but it makes sense that he would wander to a Starbucks. What Starbucks? Um, one in East Cobb. Okay. And because that's where I'm from. Is so that where I, you're from? Is East yeah. Cobb? Yeah. So I was, grew up there, and yeah. then 14 years ago, you know, I was living at home because it was after college, and yeah. uh, found my baby Rowan just hanging out at Starbucks. Being, he's such a princess. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think he's probably gay. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I always wonder if my cats were gay. They mm -hmm. seem gay. He only drinks water out of the tub, you know, so I have to have the faucet running. He's oh, very bougie, okay. yeah, you know. Yeah. He only eats fancy yeah, Some cats are like that. We had a cat that would we would put a like uh, on the coffee table a coffee cup of water, and he would dip his hand in the water. Yeah. And then he wouldn't drink water, but he would do that. He would just like... All day long, he would dip it and lick and it. Lick it. Dip, yeah. And I think that's why like, I like cats, because they're so weird. Yeah. You know? Cool. Like, I, I like... Like, dogs love everyone, but if a cat likes cats you... Growing, I had cats growing up, and I had a cat uh, d when he passed away, he was like 18 or 19 years old. Mm -hmm. So it was my cat, Pilgrim. So basically, the whole time, Payne and I have been together. Actually... Might be older because Pilgrim died a couple years ago. He was probably he would have been twenty one this year. Oh my gosh! So he was about nineteen when he died, and um, like I'll never have another cat because I like the minute, like the month, the first month that were there was no box to clean. I was like, wow, oh, I'll never. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so not because you loved Pilgrim so much, because you didn't want to well, clean I love cats, the cat but litter. like the cop, the <laughs> cat box is for. I mean, I had a cat box in my house for two decades, basically. Right, and you're like, there's some freedom in this. Enough, yeah, enough with some, that. Enough with the cat yeah. litter. And we had, at one point, we had three cats, too. Mm -hmm. Right, So we didn't have any lot. dogs. We didn't have any dogs. We actually got Rocco as the cats were getting older because we were, like, it was really clear that the cats were not going to be, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then, like, they sort of all, that one was a purebred, and one was, like, she was sort of a, like, a, she was one of those, like, smoky blue cats. Mm -hmm. And um, they all sort of just went one year after the other. That's I and think that it's sad, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh my god, I am a dog person." Like, like the minute the, the minute there was only a dog left, it wasn't like I mean, I enjoyed those cats and I love those cats, right. but like, I'm, it wasn't missing anything. You weren't missing anything. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is the pet I wanted." You didn't have to clean a litter box anymore. Yeah, so and then there was like, no litter box. Amen. Now I yeah, can and we tried so more. many. We had like the litter maid, that thing that would like clean itself, mm -hmm. and then if a soft poop went through it, it just would like smear it everywhere. Ew. Oh, it was the war. And then you'd have to clean like. It had individual like fingers and yeah, you have, oh, it doesn't sound 
film worth it. It was at a all. nightmare. And then we, I think we even tried to get them to shit on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's awesome. And that did not happen. And that didn't happen. Yeah. Have you uh, ever tried any of that? Have you, what's your? No, I just have just a regular, regular litter box. box and just, yeah, you just clean suck it out. It out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's good with the litter box. He only eats fancy feasts out of the purple box. Oh so, wow. Okay. Sometimes I have to go to multiple Publixes or. Pet stores. Wait, fan, just like straight up like Purina or like, whatever yeah, that is? Yeah, like the brand Fancy Feast. So but Fancy Feast wet food? You feed them wet food? Wet food, yeah. Wow. And it's out of the purple box. You won't, there's other colors, you know, that mean different okay. types of food. I always started feeding them wet food like when they lost all their teeth. I don't know. Is he there? He, you know, he, no. He no, still okay. has his teeth, Good. but he just loves wet food. Wow. I mean, he's, like I said, he's just a princess. Cats eating wet food that <laughs> I hate that sound so much. Ugh. Wet food. Again, dog person. Right? Well, we feed them like uh, some expensive ass dog right. food. It's like $70 a month or something. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't um, know. And it's all like duck and it's like, you know, uh, the holest of grains, the right. sweetest of ducks. I want to come back in the next life a, as my pet. Yeah. I think, yeah, I could see that. I wonder sometimes if that's just what they are. Your heaven is that you get you get to be your pet in your yeah. lifetime and watch your life and. Or maybe I want to be like Lisa Vanderpump's pet, you know, like God, a I don't celebrity's know. I'm pet. I'm going to be a little smarter than that dog. <laughs> <laughs> but they have the best life. He looks so confused all the time. <laughs> he doesn't look like he gets to enjoy any of it. Do you he's, know what I mean? Yeah, he's like a stuffed animal. He's just like yeah. He just I don't know. I I think they give that dog Xanax or something. They can't they, they can't be that relaxed all the time. <laughs> yeah. I do a joke about that where there was somebody on a flight who had a, a Chihuahua mm-hmm. and it was her emotional support animal and had the little vest and everything, <laughs> and the dog was like freaking out. Like the dog was just like jumping off her lap and like scratching and just like was so upset being on the plane. Yeah. And like she was squeezing it so hard. I was oh my like, God. I think you're gonna pop it. I said that to her and she was like, Don't you talk to me that way or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I would I would pop my dog. I think it was <laughs> pop my dog. I don't know, but it was bad. It was like, and I, it turned it into a joke, but it was like, I, like sat, I pop my husband's dog. I sat next to her watching her like squeeze this animal, like oh hold God. it next. I know. I was like, oh. You're like, you have more issues than you just need to I mean, it had a little tiny rib cage. It's like smaller than like a game hen. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it looks like she's just going to crush it in her hand. It's smaller than a twink. She's going to snap you in half. She's going to smother it. Um, so the, the, the Java Cats Cafe, uh-huh. and you do, you've done a couple shows, right? You're, I'm doing one of your shows coming up. Yeah. Your you're u- doing, ugly sweater, right? Yeah. You're doing, um, you're doing when my is that, December ugly 10th? Christmas sweater show. Yeah. December 10th. December, I think that's actually when these will come out. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So this is the, I'm doing a premiere. I'm like, these will all come out on the same day. Okay. So, uh, so people 10th, listening nice. need yeah. to come tonight to the bakery, to the bakery for an ugly Christmas sweater holiday show. Yeah. It's called laughing all the way. Yeah. And all the comics are going to have to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. And uh, we want the audience to wear ugly Christmas sweaters. And we're going to have homemade cookies. And we're going to have some hot chocolate. And it's just going to be like a fun, festive show that I'm doing with Amber Chandler. Nice. Mm -hmm. Sounds super fun. Um, And how do you like Java Cats? Is it, are they doing okay? Are they. Like yeah. gonna be around. It seems like it seems they're like they're having it. a little bit of issues with their uh, landlord <laughs> yeah. stuff right now. So they're trying to raise money. Yeah. So last night's show was kind of like a benefit show for them. Yeah. You know, where all the money just went. I mean, I don't make a penny, and you know, it's still, um, you know, it's all for a good cause. Like it goes all to the cats. Yeah. Uh, so we brought in some people last night. They ab- adopt cats out there, right? Right. So they have um, <coughs> cats me. that they have in their room that you can adopt. 
Oh, wow, so all the cats awesome. are adoptable, okay, which is wow. great. So yeah, fingers crossed, you know, I mean, I love the show there. They've been so supportive. It's such a great vibe, you know, like the audience is great. The vibe is great. Energy is great. Comics seem to like doing the show and people like to come. So fingers crossed that it stays around, but I just tell myself that, you know, <coughs> if not, then I'll, you know, find another place to do a show. Yeah, right. And that's Atlanta. I mean, all over. There's always yeah. going to be another place to do a show. Yeah, absolutely. We were just looking, myself and Andrew Mar- Michael, mm-hmm. were looking at a place and we're like, oh, cool. Could you do a show there? I mean, so. Yeah, it, I mean, whatever it is. Yeah, like, it's, it'll come up and there'll be the new spot, the new spot. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's yeah. a new spot. Whatever. So, how long have you been doing stand up? February will be two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, tell me about like your best set and your worst set. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I would say that my best set was probably when, um, I would say, you know, I did a show at Mad Life Studios, Heather Tally Bauer show, and uh, that was a great set. You know, it was a full crowd, full audience. Is that stretch marks and spandex yeah. or spandex and stretch marks? One of those stretch two. marks and laugh lines and stretch marks. There you marks. go. Yeah. Something like that. There so you I go. did her show, and That's that was awesome. a great show. You know, it was just very... Um, Great energy. You know, so much just depends on the audience, you know, if not all of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just came back from doing a tour in North Carolina with Amy Gibbs Brown and Kristen Neal. And, you know, it was just so interesting because we did four cities in North Carolina. Each night we had the same order, the same set, the same time, same everything. And it was like amazing how different the audience was, right? Like some of the shows were amazing and we kill all you know all three of us killed and it was the best energy you do the same set same time same order in a different show and it's like complete different reaction yeah you know it's just it's so there's something psychological i think about the audience and like what's going on in in the room yeah yeah absolutely you know um i mean last night at java cats was actually a tough night usually it's a really easy show for me and it's like seamless and great energy and kind of like a family feel but last night there were some people in the audience uh, in the front row that were really drunk and i'm like who comes drunk to a cat cafe (laughs) and i could tell that they were distracting the comics and they were talking during people's sets and it was just like really distracting and some of the comics were trying to banter with them and it just wasn't really like working and so yeah, Bobby of, mentioned it so Bobby Higley who was yeah. on the show last night he's staying at our house this weekend yeah and he, he mentioned that Amber that yeah. Amber came down on him Amber <laughs> yeah. North uh yeah yeah who, who hosts a really great podcast called what's the word yeah I love Amber listening to this should check and out just she's hilarious she was and great. she's amazing in those scenarios too yeah so I like mean, anytime she, the audience is being dis- disrespectful Amber North is the wrong person to do it too. have it, which I respect completely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm still finding my swimming legs as far as, like, how to handle stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. do you say something to them, or do you just kind of ignore it, or do you, you know, so I was... And how do you throw somebody out of a cat cafe, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, well, yeah, they actually yeah. ended up leaving. They, yeah. just, they, they left in the middle of... Um, one of my transition sets yeah. when I was about to introduce um, the closer, yeah. um, Damon, um, they like all got up, all four of them got up and yeah. just walked out. So wow. I've never had, I kind of said to the audience, I was like, I feel like I've made it. They're kind of lucky because Damon would have gone, gotten, gone in on them too. Oh, for not, sure. He would have let them have it. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's good to have but, them leave. It, but, but it was like, for, for them to realize they're not welcome without you having to tell them. You right. Know, that's true. It's not a bad way it's to do it. It's a good do. point. So I wouldn't say last night was like, you know, my worst set, 
but it was definitely the hardest. You know, I've been doing well, hosting is work, and, and I think that that's something. Work. It's a different muscle than just regular stand up, for sure. And you're producing the show too, so it's like a lot of people think, oh, well, I just host. You just host um, cats and laughs, but you don't. You produce the show, mm-hmm. so there's all this other stuff on your shoulders, for sure. And you know, in terms of like ticket sales and who goes ticket first, sales and, and timing and the audience, someone's and the like, order. I hit you up to add somebody to the. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so people, you have the outside pressure of other comics and your bucket spots and your yeah. There's a lot to be thinking about as as a producer. Exactly. And people just think, oh, well, you're just hosting the show, so it's like right. Yeah. So some nights you bomb. You know, it, your bomb isn't. You just did your job. You just yeah. did. You you made it through your shift, is yeah. what I call that. So yeah. some, like I call I call hosting working drive through. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> it's its own. You know, if you're good at it, that's you're, a perfect analogy. It is, I mean, if you've worked in a fast food fast food place, you know that you know working reg is just one speed, but working mm-hmm. drive through is a different one, and mm-hmm. um, you have to be better. It's like you if you suck on register, you're never working drive through. Right, and you and have to be you really do, on when you do like, work drive through. It's going to be misery for yeah, you. Yeah, you, know? you know, and when you do a show, you kind of you know you're on during your set. Yeah. But then you're off before and after, whereas yeah. hosting, you have to be on the entire time. And like you said, Keeping I have to up think with about the, time of the people who are getting the comics and the audience and, yep. and the timing and the order and, you know, making sure everyone's happy. And yeah, if it's people are talking. You got to tell them to be quiet. Right. You know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's definitely a lot. So and it's I think a challenging like, show, but yeah. I'm glad I experienced a challenging show that I was hosting because yeah. I feel like it only makes you better the next time. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because I've been kind of just makes it's like. Nothing makes you appreciate the spots you get than hosting your own show because it's like, yeah, it's work. That's the work. That's the spot you created for yourself, and it's the hardest one you're ever going to do. Yeah. But it's also the thing you control the most. And if the show, like, if the show's amazing, then it doesn't really matter how you did. Mm -hmm. If everyone leaves thinking that show was great, they're not going to be like, but Julie, you know what I mean? Right. They've forgotten about you. Do you know what I mean? The best you can hope for is that you have a good set, and they're like, oh, everyone was great, Mm -hmm. and that's it. But, like, even a show where you're just okay as a host, if the show's really good, then you were successful as a producer. Right. And that sometimes is very important to remember. And that's better than just... Well, just to look at it, like, you know, like sometimes you're, you're just... You know, getting things started for the greater good, mm-hmm. and then other times you're shining as a host. But also, like you do, what I notice is you kind of like you do it only in between. So like so and so just said such and such on stage, and then you'll get on stage, you'll be like, oh, and, and kind of riff on it. Um, and you don't really do a lot of crowd work, and it's like maybe talk to the crowd. You know, mm-hmm. try try that muscle. Try talking to the crowd at the beginning, yeah, and see how much time you can get out of that. Like you mm-hmm. know, if you get a couple seconds, even a minute out of it. And it's something you start being comfortable with. The more comfortable yeah. you are with it, too, you know. It's like, yeah, I love that. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a muscle that I need to flex more. Like, I'll do crowd work a little bit during my set. Yeah. But I haven't but done get there a ton in the of front, it when I'm hosting. Because on the front, you know, and also when you're newer mm-hmm. as a comic, when you don't have as much material, you feel like you're you got to do your best stuff, and so your best like. You have if you have twenty minutes, your best stuff is you know ten of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you feel like you're doing the same ten all the time. Mm-hmm. Crowd work helps you. A source new jokes and B feel like you're fresh and you're talking to the room yeah. and you know what I mean like yeah. it's just one of those little things. No, I think that's like, a great. Yeah. I think that's great feedback. Yeah, and even like you know I'm gonna do thirty seconds at a time. I'm gonna do thirty seconds of crowd work because I used to never talk to the crowd. I hated it. Mm-hmm. And when they would talk to me, I'd be like, "How dare you interrupt me?" <laughs> and like you know, and like and now I do way more of it, and sometimes it leads to like an entirely new joke or it leads to like. Places you didn't know existed in the joke mm-hmm. you were already telling. So I've yeah. had a lot of that recently where I'm really paying attention to what they're laughing at and mm-hmm. then like staying in that. 
So whatever they just laughed really big at, I stay there and I try to come up with two or three more things of that same mm-hmm. type of punchline. And um, yeah, it's just one of those like, like you're just getting started in that part of it. I yeah, know, you know what I mean. Definitely, like, I'm still going on tour, with that. Mm-hmm. and like the next time you go on tour, how are you going to do it differently? Are you going to mix up your sets every night? Mm-hmm. Are you going to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like that kind Great. of thing. And like, how much material? Like, are you ch- challenging yourself to write? You know, it's like all those little things mm-hmm. like that. But especially like in the like the f- your first few years, it's like all those things that you do at the beginning, like you'll write jokes now that you'll go back to in a, a year or two mm-hmm. and then you'll go, Oh my God, I can use this joke now. Mm-hmm. You know, I have one joke now that like, it's about a five minute joke that I wrote it in tw- 2012. Really? And I just couldn't do anything with it. I did. I wrote a little minute and I couldn't do much with it. And now I've like turned it into like a five, six minute bit. That's cool. And it still is not done. It probably end up being like three or four minutes. I'll cut a bunch of, you know what I mean? But Did you, you just, just get re-inspired to revisit it? Or yeah, it just you... sort of came up. And it wasn't, it was like I was in a room where they kept bringing up this one topic. And mm-hmm. I was like, God, I haven't you know, thought about that or done anything with that in a while. And so I did my, my joke, but I, but I, I did it. I did it the way I do stuff now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just do the joke I wrote, 12, you know, seven years ago. I did the premise, I spoke the premise aloud and then I just started talking and I recorded it. Mm-hmm. And by talking it out like that, I basically d- did the original punchlines, but with the way I talk now, the way I, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, and it just, it evolved. yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. This mm-hmm. thing. And, it, and it's weird because like, it's, it's a movie reference and the movie hasn't been out for seven years and it works better now than it did when it, huh, that's <laughs> yeah. interesting. yeah, it's just weird. But I think that's one of those things. It's like when you're, especially when you're starting, like, Write as much as you can, and the stuff that doesn't work, don't like when you get rid of it, just put it to the side. Because right. at some point, you're going to be starved. Like next year, you're going to be like, shit, I can't think of anything. And then you go back and look through all that old shit, and something sticks out. Mm-hmm. Or and for me, it's a lot of audio. Like when somebody says something to me, they'll be like, God, you used to do this one joke, da 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 da. And I did. I did that one joke for like six months, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it, but I never felt like it was as good as all the other ones, so I got rid of it. And then that person says, Oh, I really liked it. And then I'll go, oh, and I'll think about the joke, yeah. and then I'll rewrite it in my mind the way I would do it now. Mm-hmm. And I go do it on stage, and I'm like, It's better. It's a. It's better now because I'm better now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's that happens so fast in Atlanta it's crazy so mm-hmm. like there'll be like the difference between seeing you six months ago and seeing you the last time I came to Java Cats I came and did a bucket spot mm-hmm. um, it's like night and day you know what I'm saying and it's like y'all don't I don't think notice sometimes how probably much not because I think we're so hard on yeah. ourselves well you're and you're you're sort of surrounded with peers mm-hmm. so it's like you can't always tell who's getting better to what degree right but like you have your mind on the like front end and the back end so it's like you understand the business of Mm -hmm. a show and an audience and a vibe and a feel Mm -hmm. so like you probably have some events planning of some sort you know what i mean marketing yeah and that's that all that feeling like when you're hosting it's your party Mm -hmm. you know like that's how i always think about it (laughs) and straight people um, we'll mention the podcast name at 27 <laughs> minutes in, but something that's interesting about hosting to me is that queer people, minorities, queer people and women already know how to host mm-hmm. because they have to be nice when they don't want to be nice. Hmm. So like the people that have the hardest time are the ones with the most privilege. So like mm-hmm. if somebody's like a white male who's pretty much always gotten his way, unless he's really outgoing and gregarious already, he's going to have a struggle hosting because hosting is all about acting like you want to be somewhere that you don't want to be and being more happy about it than you want to be. You know what I mean? It's it's all about projecting that extra, 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 you know, like, you know, 
Oh, yeah, you know, the no, customer's always right, uh, mm-hmm. which isn't real. Nobody's like that by default. Everybody has to put that on. Right. And like it's what I find is is that with like women and queer people, they get it. They understand mm-hmm. what hosting is. Hosting's that faking kind of like. Yeah, I never thought yeah. of it like that. And that's it's like, definitely like if you've hosted a lot of parties, because that's sure. what I think. Like it was, I always think about them like they're a party. I mean. Yeah, which is I always have the least fun at my own parties. <laughs> 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 no, that's like, that's yeah. a great viewpoint i never thought of about it like that but yeah i mean when you're a minority you're used to having to i mean a you're used to just kind of i don't know i guess it's a sense of feeling people out too i think you have an extra sense of like like spidey senses as far as you know feeling people's energies and kind of like you you know consider yourself empathic where they're at you definitely yeah i definitely feel like i'm an empath and can you tell when someone's in a bad mood without talking mm-hmm. to them? You can just see that on their face. I can face. just feel it, you know, yeah. which makes me... Do you think, though, so you're queer, you identify as queer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, though, that a little bit of that might be, you know, the gaydar that we have where we study people? Yeah. That, that as a byproduct of, like, are they gay, are they not gay, that mm-hmm. game we played all our lives, that we also really pay attention to the... Because, like, also, do they know I'm gay? You know, like, mm-hmm. we're studying everybody, when we're especially when we're closets like that. Do you think that that has something to do with your... Like, yeah. that you're just a good read of people yeah i think that so you have to be a good yeah. read of people because i wonder whether i'm empathic or i'm just like i pay attention i think it's a bit of both you know, you know i think i'm empathic in general just yeah. looking at like i'm like my mom you know is yeah. very sensitive and oh know, yeah and you do come sensitive. from a background of like talking about feelings and being and open about feelings so that for sure my sister's a therapist really my grandma's a social worker so Shit. yeah so and they're like you're in marketing what <laughs> you know they're like you're in marketing but comic. you want to make people laugh and that's its own form mm-hmm. of like Therapy. Like, well, I don't know about... Th- well, yeah, therapy for sure. I guess that's they say that. But like in t- terms of like making people feel better. Mm-hmm. So I guess therapy, yeah. <laughs> and I think being queer too, and I know you can relate to this, you know, you kind of come out every time you do a set, you know? I mean, people always say like, when did you come out in life? And it's, it's like, like I, come out, I came out all the time. I come out every day. You know, I come out when I do... There's when a I have guy a new Jonas. Job, when I have a set. Yeah. There's you know? a guy, Jonas, and... Uh, Indianapolis gay guy, or I'm sorry, Bloomington, he says that he has to come out every five minutes, mm-hmm. as, as is the law for gay comedians. <laughs> so every five minutes you have to mention I it. I know, and I want a coming out party every dime. I want a coming out party every five minutes. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, too. Sometimes someone will come up to me and go, you didn't even mention being gay. And I was like, I didn't have enough time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'll, Sometimes I'll do a joke on the front that's about whatever, and that joke gets so much that I don't get to the... You know what I mean? The other and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So sometimes I go out and I sort of gauge, especially in Atlanta, if the audience already knows me, then I won't pretend to be straight at all. So I can just get to the good stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, like all the stuff like where I don't talk about being gay, it's fine. But it's like to me the least, I don't know. I have, I think everything I say on stage is funny to a degree, of course. Mm-hmm. But like the stuff I enjoy the most is the queer eccentric yeah. material you know it's just the funnest part of the i don't know that's why i feel like the little kid in me is in charge yeah do when i'm f- making fun of the straights do you feel like when you first started a comedy that was where you drew a lot of your comedy and your material from 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 like being gay or a relationship or yeah like i spent a lot of time when i first started trying to do like one joke about being gay one joke about something else mm-hmm. one joke about being gay one, because there was such a like you're a gay comic like you know what i mean right. like a me and, and because it was 2011 probably a little bit of that too um but uh yeah i think a lot of it comes from and i would just tell stories like when i when i when I get long sets originally i would do my five minutes of whatever material i was working on at the time mm-hmm. and then i would just tell some story about growing up about mm-hmm. like you know 
there was a, I mean, I have a bunch of them, and there are some of them are on the album, and some of mm-hmm. them aren't. Some of them mm-hmm. I kept for later, but, but yeah, and I think that like being gay, uh, being sense of humor is a is a defense mechanism for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, and for us, it's like it's a defense mechanism. But then also, then when we're in our own community, it becomes like a weapon for you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we weaponize it on each other the way we read each other and the way gay people kind of you know the way we're mean to each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's always usually <laughs> but bitchy. in yeah, bitchy, being bitches or whatever you want to call it. But there's it, but it's in the spirit of sharpening those claws. Mm-hmm. So when the straight people come for you, you're ready. You know, that's how yeah. I've always perceived it when my queer friends are that way with me. It's about you toughening up, toughening mm-hmm. up people who are who got beat up by the majority already and making them tough so they're ready for it later. Yeah. But it's all humor. All those, mm-hmm. all of my queer friends, it's we're all funny. And, mm-hmm. and so it was hard for me to understand that I wanted to be a comic mm-hmm. because humor and comedy is already such a huge part of how I process every bit of life. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So like yeah. stand up as a career, like when I finally did stand up, like as an amateur, um, I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like when you first, you know, yeah. it's it like, I imagine it like someone who's a, who's a horse rider the first time they get on a horse. Oh, you know, to have that, but to have it as an adult, it means you've wasted your, <laughs> you've wasted yeah. your whole life For sure. until that point, And now you're doing the thing you want to do. And know? I feel like I had a pretty positive experience. Come, I didn't come out till later. I mean, I didn't come out until my early twenties was probably, I mean, I, 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 I came out in college to some of my really close friends and then, um, you know, came out in my early 20s, and I was always kind of like, you know, funny Julie first, and then, you know, you know, gay Julie. Like, being funny always, I think, I think it was a defense mechanism, but I think that, you know, I was always funny, and I wanted to be known as funny Julie before I was known as, like, gay Julie, and I think that doing comedy um, and talking so much about my sexuality has actually made me a lot more comfortable with it, you know, like I was always, you know, out to like my close friends and my family and stuff like that. But now to have to get in front of audiences and strangers and talk about being gay or my sexuality, I mean, that's the avenue I never thought I would take. Yeah. I don't think the straight people even comprehend that. I don't think they comprehend that at all. The degree to which we're exposing ourselves in a way that they aren't. For sure. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I commend you for that because that's that like every once in a while you'll get someone to come up and tell you how brave you are. Well, you are fucking brave. And what they mean is I can't believe you said that in this room full of these motherfuckers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And because like the only uh, uh, the only I've uh, that's so brave I've ever gotten have been like in Arkansas and shit. Do you know what (laughs) I mean? Like in Atlanta, they they know that we're it's okay for us. Right. Yeah. But I I think that that escapes some of the straight people that they don't understand that mm-hmm. we're still in this huge like we, the left didn't win nobody won mm-hmm. and like anywhere we go out in the country there's a really good chance like that maybe somebody won't interrupt our act but they'll come up to us after and i've had that where people come up to me and they're you're gonna burn in hell blah, blah, blah. i'm like really yeah and it's like sometimes you engage like was a smart ass and other times i'm like <laughs> let's get out of here because who knows who fucking has a gun you know what yeah. i mean and and i'm airing on that side way more like i don't want to engage with those people anymore because i don't know you know mm-hmm. it's like and you got to be careful you know it's mm-hmm. like that's the thing it's like yeah. being queer it's not the safest uh, yeah it's <laughs> vulnerable i mean i did a show the other night where i had to uh announce myself before the show um and i mentioned you know it was the chicken wing show it was joe's chicken wing show yeah and so you had to announce yourself by saying what kind of chicken wing you know you would eat and kind of relate it to sex yeah so i was like I, I eat my chicken wings like I eat my women, extra, extra wet and in yeah. my mouth. 
Okay. And I swear there was like people in the audience that were like, Ooh, oh, like, wow, too much. Kind of had like a negative yeah, reaction. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't really experienced that before. And my girlfriend was there and she heard it. And I was just sort of like, and I don't think, I asked one of the other comic on the show if they heard it. And they were like, no, I didn't hear it. But yeah. I think we're so in tune. Like we're oh, yeah, so absolutely. spidey senses, like yeah. how people are going to react to that. And it's just like, it, I feel well, like there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bros in the audience, yeah. you know. And they don't like sex-positive women. Yeah. So I don't even think it had anything to do with being gay, probably. I think you're just jealous and probably yeah. got more ass than I you I don't did. know. That's what I, like, uh, Amber, I love. Amber's somebody who I've seen go up and do her sex-positive material, and then the room's, like, clammy about it. And then she's like, fuck you. You've been listening to these little white boys talk about jerking their tiny little dicks. Exactly. For the last 25 minutes, and I come up here and talk about boom, 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 mm-hmm. and y'all ain't got nothing for me. Y'all can't handle it. And, um, and then she gets the room. Like, they go, oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But, like, when they don't, and then it's like, you're, she's, you know, it's like the the resistance to even in Joe's rooms, which are very progressive, For the sure. resistance to sex positive. Like, why can't a woman say what you just said without it being like, ooh, ooh oh, uh, uh, mm. it's still, we're still mm-hmm. there. We're still there. If a guy like, said it, you would have gotten an applause and have been like, yeah. But see, if I had done that, they probably would have laughed and a applauded. No, as a gay man, if I had gotten up there and been like, I didn't even like my husband, wet and, you know, like mm-hmm. expensive or whatever, what I'd say. You know what I mean? Like, they would probably, but but I would have run the risk of being too gross, and that's the thing. So like they mm-hmm. ooed you for being sex positive, they would ooh me because if I put too graphic You're of too an gay. image, yeah, well, yeah, because like you, you sort of still as a gay person have to win them over. You know mm-hmm. how it is. You oh, for sure. That's what you have to do in real life too. You know, it's like I'm gay, but don't worry about it. I don't want you know. I'm right. not going to steal your kids. Or I'm more than just gay. I'm yeah. these and these and these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that that's something that like comedy. Is there's way more queer people doing it, mm-hmm. but like it's still one of those things where it's like I don't think that the straight uh, performers sort of understand. <laughs> yeah, like what we're doing is you know it's still political without it being political. Like I never have to talk about politics on stage because it's mm-hmm. gonna feel political. To it's gonna the, feel political. Yeah, and I still worry sometimes that I'm gonna be. You know, stereotyped is just sort of like a, you know, just like you said, like a gay comic, a lesbian comic, you know, like we need to fill our quota and get, you know, a gay comic on this, you know, on this lineup. Um, And I don't want people, you know, and I worry about that, but it's, it's like, that's where my inspiration is coming from a lot right now. My, my gay relationship and sex and all of that. And, you know, there'll be a day where I'll draw from other material too. And I'm trying to draw from other material and not constantly do like, you know, stuff about my life, but more observations about the world, yeah. um, in general. But, you know, I also don't want to be stereotyped as just like that lesbian comic, you know, but it's like straight people never think about that. Like, am I too straight? Am I doing too many straight jokes? Yeah. And, no, you know, I'm too about. hetero. Well, and also like <laughs> the, the people who we call you gay comic the most are other gay people. Yeah. So, and that's <laughs> really where it comes from. So like anytime, like I remember writing a thing for one of the gay papers about, Laughing Skull Festival, mm-hmm. and it was the queer comics, and like it was no, I'm sorry, there was there was a couple queer comics, but the whole article was like every, who to watch, who to watch on the festival, and I told them that I said it's gonna be a mix of queer people and straight people because they didn't have a bunch of queer people, so it was mm-hmm. like I picked who my because it was a contest at the time, mm-hmm. so I picked the you know my five favorite to win plus the two queer comics in the fest, 
And they missed all of that. And so when they ran it, it was like, gay commies, come to Gay Atlanta to gay it up for gay <laughs> festival, blah, blah, blah. And, like, one of the comics literally messaged me. He was like, dude, he's like, I'm not even kidding, but, like, my mom now thinks I'm gay because of this article. And, blah, blah. and, I, and I was like, I'm, like, legitimately apologizing to him because it wasn't in any. And so I had to explain to them. And they changed it. They changed it all immediately. Mm-hmm. But it really, like, when the online version of it, when it came out, it was just like, gay, 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 gay. And it wasn't. Right. And that wasn't what I wrote or sent in. It was mm-hmm. like, that's what they added. To that's make it said. interesting to, to gay people, mm-hmm. you have to they have to be told right. that this is for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that's where I think a lot of it comes from. So it's like when I first started, I had a lot of people refer to me as a gay comic, but then I sort of took it to heart, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you feel that's what you are, that's what you are. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're like you know kind of rejecting that notion and doing whatever material you want to, you're fine. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think there's yeah. like, I don't think there's a, like it, in a lot of other cities of the country that I've been to, there's like a gay scene, a gay comedy mm-hmm. scene. And I think here there's a gay comedy audience mm-hmm. and that they just come out to the regular shows mm. yeah, and that they show up for specialty shows. So like if there's something specifically gay, they'll show up for that. But like they're, they're at Joe's shows. They come to the laughing skull. Yeah. They go to your shows. They come to, and there's Urban a lot of Tree. lesbians that come to cats yeah. and laughs. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely on brand. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's kind of what it is. So we spent almost 40 minutes barely talking about straight people, which is sort of the <laughs> what happens here sometimes. I just can't get enough chatting with you. No, it's great. It's great. So tell people where they can find you. Um, they can find me online. My name, again, is Julie Maritex. They can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I don't want really to tweet that much. I mean, who's tweeting these days, right? Like the I president. like once a day. Oh, and Ian Aber. <laughs> the president and Ian Aber. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can find me on the social media Just channels. Just one tweet, though. I have a Julie Maritex comedy Facebook okay. page now. Okay, cool. And uh, my name's Ian Aber, and this has been Straight People. Please listen, like, share, and tell people about the show and shit, man. <laughs>